Thank you, Colin, and all those uh, participating. Man, what a blessing it is to be at a church with so many talented people. And uh, uh, I'm blessed today, too. My whole family is here, and uh, what a blessing that is. Uh, Tonight, we'll be ordaining uh, Brother Jason. I'm excited about that. You should be excited about that, because every time a church ordains someone and sends them out into the fields uh, that are white unto harvest, uh, we're blessed, and folks are saved, and God moves on. I was thinking about Missy. She was sitting there. You know, we're, we're proud of our children. There's no doubt about that. And, and Stacy, and, they're, they're wonderful. We're proud of our children. But you know the real truth is, we're proud of our God who developed our children and put them who they are. I mean, to God be the glory. Praise the Lord. And I, I want to make a couple of apologies, first of all. I don't do that very often because uh, I'm usually not wrong. But, uh, <laughs> but I want to make a couple of apologies. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize to you dear sweet ladies uh, at Eden Place. Uh, they, they've been telling us for six months. They called the church and they can't get through. And I just thought, bunch of senile old women that can't dial the right number. And I, I just, you know, and yet Friday morning I called four times and couldn't get through. And so I came over here to chew some folk out and want to know why the phone's not being answered. And we have a problem. Our phone system is not taking anybody's landline. So if you've called Woodland Hills in the last three months, uh, you haven't gotten through it. Just rings and rings and rings. So I apologize, dear ladies. I mean, I guarantee you, uh, I, you were right. All right? And I was wrong. But we're going to get it fixed. Just if you need us, call us on a cell phone. All right? All right. And the second one was, uh, Brother Kirkendall reminded me last week, uh, something I needed to be reminded of, because I made the crack that, in 46 years of ministry, I've preached about every sermon I know how to preach on Easter. But we did a resurrection sermon, and he walked out, and he said, don't ever stop preaching the resurrection. And I hope, bless God, that's what it's all about right there. That is what it's all about. If it were not for the resurrection, we, we wouldn't have anything to shout about, anything to be happy about. So praise the Lord. All right, in Joshua chapter 8, would you stand in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient Word. We've been talking in Joshua about living triumphantly and going forward. Chapter 8, verse 1, The Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee. Arise, go up to Ai. See, I've given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall you take for prey unto yourselves. Lay thee in ambush for the city. So Joshua arose, all the people of war, to go up against Ai. He chose out 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. He commanded them, saying, Behold, you'll lie in wait against the city, even behind the city. Go not very far from the city, but be ye ready. And I and all the people that are with me uh, will approach unto the city, and it shall come to pass when they come out against us, as at the first time we'll flee before them. And they'll come after us till we have drawn them from the city, and they flee before us as at the first. Therefore, 
we will flee before them. Then ye shall rise up from the ambush, seize upon the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it unto your hand. And it shall be when ye have taken the city that ye shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord shall ye do. I have commanded you. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed. Would you just continue to let your Holy Spirit move in this place? God, thank you from the very beginning, seeing those precious souls baptized. Lord, singing praises to your name. My only hope is in you, Jesus. Hallelujah. May that burn within our hearts all this week. And I ask you now to take this scripture and to use it to further your kingdom here on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I heard about an old boy that felt like a failure. He lost his job. His future was in the tank. There was just no, it seemed like getting up. And so he decided he would become a bank robber. Now the only problem with that, he was a moral man. And, but he decided on the bank that he was going to rob. And he went and he sketched it all out. He cased it out four or five days, you know, and saw where everyone was and knew all about it. And he'd go down to rob the bank, he'd get cold feet, and he'd come back home. Knew it wasn't right. He'd go down to rob the bank, he'd come back home. Go down to rob the bank, come back home. Finally, one night, he said, enough is enough. I'm going to rob the bank tomorrow. So he got up and got everything ready, went down to the bank about 9 o'clock, waiting for it to open, he sat there and sat there and sat there. And it was after 1 o'clock when he finally had enough courage to get out of the car. He had his pistol. He had his brown bag. He walked into the bank shaking, just nervous. He walked up to the teller, and he placed his pistol in the teller's hand and said, Don't stick with me. This is a mess up. I want to tell you, if you've lived very long, you know life can give you a mess up. You know that you can be knocked down. But I want to tell you, I'm here to tell you this morning, that the same God who required punishment on Achan and even Israel is the same God who was and is and will be the God of beginning again. I, I don't say he's the God of second chances because I blew my second chances about 45, 50 years ago. It's, it's up in the hundreds of chances. God is a God of beginning again. And uh, th there actually are 35 verses here, and we're not going to read any more but just that, but we're going to refer to the whole chapter here this morning. Alexander White once said, Life is a series of new beginnings. And chapter 8 is a new beginning in the life of Joshua and the nation Israel. And uh, I want to tell you, I don't care what loss, I don't care what defeat, I don't care what failure. I can assure you of one thing this morning. If you're still breathing, God's not through with you yet. If you're still breathing, I don't know what you're going to do. I mean, you know, I know what you don't need to do. Don't become some old crank that sits around that nobody wants to be around. God may just have you here to smile and encourage and to be a, uh, an encouragement for those uh, who come and go in this church here. Three simple things I want to look at this morning. The first thing is these people, Joshua and Israel, had a correct outlook. Verse 1, the Lord said unto Joshua, fear not. 
They had failed. They had fallen into sin. And, and let me just share. I'll just be honest with you this morning. Every one of us have failed. There's not a person in here who hasn't failed. Every one of us have fallen into sin. If you're one of those who cannot get past what you did in the past, and you cannot forgive yourself, you're never going to live in victory. You say, I just can't get over what I did. I can't believe God. Well, let me tell you, it's not up to you. It's up to what God said. And he says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. And so they had the correct outlook here. He's saying, don't live in the past. The past is past. Now move on. Don't live in agony. Do not fear. He said the same thing in Joshua 1.9 at the beginning of the verse. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Why? Because I, the Lord your God, are with you. That's why you don't have to fear. I'm still the same God who started all of this stuff. He created the heavens and the earth. And he's the same God that's with us today. You confess your sins. Israel has confessed their sins. That's Old Testament. Let's throw it to the New Testament. Your sins are under the blood. And because of that, you can lift your head, judge your draw, jaw, and strut, knowing that Jesus is still in control of this universe. You can move on. Don't fear. <laughs> I remember that motivational speaker that they invited. This country high school wasn't very good in football. And the guy, coach, had tried everything he could. So he said, uh, ask this motivational speaker, can you come at halftime and speak to my boys? Maybe we won't be too far in the hole. And so he got there. And he said, guys, it's like this. You got a guy, two guys lined up here. And this one guy knocks both of them down. They both get back up. He knocks both of them down. They both get back up. He knocks both of them down. They both get back up. 24 times he knocks both of them down. But on the 25th time, there's only one that gets up. That other one stays down. That speaker looked at those country boys from high school, and he said, which one of the guys do you want to be? And an old country boy said, I want to be the one that's knocking them down. <laughs> Amen. That, that, that's where we need to be. Folks, there's some giants out there that through the power of God, we need to knock down. But if you are one who gets knocked down, I've got good news for you this morning. Our God will pick you up, and he'll give you a new beginning. Life's going to knock you down. Some of the worst pain that I've discovered in my life, <laughs> I can't blame on anybody but myself. Some of the roughest things I've been through in my life are simply because of my disobedience or my pride or my arrogance. So he said, don't live in agony. And then he said, you don't have to live in regret. He said, don't, don't be dismayed. You see, Joshua wasn't completely guiltless for what happened at Ai. Now, we want to all blame Achan, and that's good. When somebody's dead, you always can blame them, and they have nothing they can say about it. All right? But I want to tell you something. If you go back and study the scripture there between uh, Joshua 5, 6, 7, and 8, 
You'll find at Jericho that, remember, he met the Lord out there, and he said, who are you, with us or them? Oh, no, I'm here to take over. I'm the Lord Jesus Christ incarnate right here. And he talked with him, and God gave him the plan, and Joshua followed the plan to the, to the T. But when you come down to Ai, Joshua decides that he doesn't need God. There's no prayer to God. He's listening to his generals out there, and they said, hey, it's a little old weak town. You don't need to send everybody up there. There, uh, just a few of us ago, 3,000, and we'll whip them and we'll be back in time for supper. Well, they were back in time for supper, all right. 36 of them dead and tuck tail and run. Now, listen, what those generals told him made more sense than what God was telling him. Hmm? You ever been there? When you think, my goodness, this just makes good sense. But I know God said do this. And you flip-flop back and forth. You better go with what God said do. Because God is in control of the entire universe. What may be good sense to you, if that's not God's plan, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I... Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the place in your life where you were just so disappointed and so frustrated and the thought in your mind was, God will never be able to use me again. He's going to put me on the shelf and I'll never be able to be used again. It's like Jonah. Jonah was in that spot inside the belly of that great fish. He was there. But you know what Jonah did? The Bible says, I called out to the Lord in my distress, and he heard me. You see, God had already spoken to Jonah. Jonah said, nope, that's not what I want to do. That's not what I'm going to do. But when he finally comes again and says, all right, God, I'll do what you said do, spits him up, and, and I love those miracles like that. My mind just goes wild. I'll just tell you, people just preach about well the fish threw him up there no he didn't spit him up a whale I don't know how close a whale can go to the shallow part there on a beach but he can't go very far he shot him out probably 40 or 50 yards in the air huh when have you seen a whale up on a beach you can't do that that dude had to probably he had to be 20 or 30 foot at least out there and boom out that whale and he hits on dry ground what the Bible says. And then the Bible says that God came to him the second time. God's coming to, to, to uh, Joshua the second time. And just like he did to Jonah, and maybe just like he's doing to you, that he comes to you. Joshua, if you'll come clean, if you'll have the people repent of their sin, I'm not done with you, I'm not through with you, and I'm not finished with you. Take off the sackcloth. Wipe the dust off your head. Get your battle gear ready. Dress yourself. Prepare yourself for service because I've got big, big plans. Some of y'all need to take that to advice this morning. You're sitting here like a wimp. You say, well, I did this and God will never forgive me. Ask him to forgive you. And then get up and go to work for the kingdom of God. You don't have to live in agony. You don't have to live in regret. And you don't have to live in rebellion. 
He still reminded him in verse 1. In order to capitalize on the blessings of God, Joshua, just like us, must respond in obedience. He's got to take it. He's got to be walking in obedience there. Listen to me this morning. All the clapping, all the shouting, all the singing will do no good unless we arise from our apathy and get up out of our complacency and get up and get busy again serving the Lord and building the kingdom of God. None of this other is going to do any good unless we do that. Abraham had to arise from Egypt and go back to the promised land. Jacob had to arise and get back to Bethel. Moses had to arise and get back to Pharaoh's court. Naomi had to arise and get back to Bethlehem. Jonah had to arise and go to Nineveh. Peter had to arise from his denial, and he was able to preach the day of Pentecost. The prodigal son had to arise from out of that pig pen and go back home to his father's house. And Joshua had to arise and go to a place of obedience and take on the city of Ai. How about this morning? Somebody here need to arise and get back in the choir? Say, well, the choir's so good. They've been blessed. But I tell you what, who, who are you? I hear that all the time. You know, I'm going to go into the ministry, but now I'm not going over to Africa. I'm not going to India. Well, who are you? What made you so special that God can't call you to mission somewhere? Who do you think you are? Maybe some of you need to arise. You used to be great teachers, but you've got complacent and apathetic. Somebody said something that hurt your feelings, so you just shut it down. Maybe this morning you need to arise and be a teacher or work with Awanas or children or youth. Uh, maybe you need to arise and be a Christian parent. Because your family made fun of you or somebody didn't like what you were doing. And so you just said, forget it. I'd rather not argue with my family anymore. Just let them go on and be in the world and do what they want to do. My soul don't wish that on your family this morning. Arise and be the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. Maybe you need to arise and go back down to where you work and, and regain your witness and become a soul winner for Jesus. God's not finished with you if you've repented and confessed your sins. Now, don't misquote me. I, I get misquoted enough. But, but I want you to understand this. I understand what people say when they say, you better live close to God now because God won't use a dirty vessel. I, I know what they're saying. But let me ask you, which one of y'all in here are clean? I mean, the way I'm looking at it, the only thing God can use is dirty vessels. God can't use a vessel with unconfessed sin, but every vessel in this room this morning is already dirty. God will use a dirty vessel. Don't cop out to that. We're all guilty, none righteous, no, not one. They had the correct plan. Let me give you this too. They also had a gutsy plan. It's verses 1 through 23 here. In Washington, they've got a, I don't know what they use it for, but they've got a situation room. <laughs> got a round table, you know, and chairs and everybody. I'm not sure what they use it for. They're supposed to gather there and, and get a hold of the situation, but I don't know that they ever do that and then make a plan. Well, there's a situation room in heaven, too. It don't have a conference table. 
The reason they don't have a conference table because there's no chairs in the room. Because you don't get to sit around in heaven and say, well, Lord, if you do this. No, Lord, I believe you ought to do this. Let me tell you, there's only one chair in that room in heaven, and that's the throne. And what Jesus says goes. It's not up for debate. It's not even up for discussion. And you can say, Lord, I tell you, I just believe. I'm, I'm with you, Lord. I he don't care whether you're with him or not. He's true. He's faithful. He's just. It, it, it would have been very easy in the flesh for Joshua to say, we can't go up there to Ai. I know they're small, but we, that we've already been defeated one time up there. What makes you think we want to go back up there? We're not going back up there. God had a better plan for them. Oh, what a plan it was. And God may have a better plan for you. You sit here and you've mapped out your life, and it hasn't been exactly like you wanted it to be. And maybe God's saying, i got a better plan for your life if you just listen to me and obey me. It was a divine strategy. He tells Joshua, you, you're going to be victorious. Send a group up around the backside of the city. And that's up in the mountains there. And he said, we're going to hit them. They did that in the night. We're going to hit them head on. And then when we engage them, we're going to tuck tail and run because that's what y'all did last time. And they're thinking we're going to run and they're going to follow us out of that city and they're going to go after us. And then you guys up there in the mountains, y'all come in, set the city on fire, kill everybody, and then come on out there. What a plan. What a plan. <laughs> Remember in verse, uh, back in, in when they were going to Jericho, God said, this is a banned city. You know, it's so sad here. Because now he's saying to Ai and the rest of these cities, y'all can take anything you want. All the gold, all the silver, cows, anything you want, you can take that. But they couldn't do it at Jericho. See, God's got to have a token. He did it in the Garden of Eden. There was one tree they could not eat of. That token was representative of the fact that God owns everything. When you come and you give your tithe and you to give 10%, and you can argue if you want to and be wrong all night long, but the tithe is still 10%. You're not giving an offering until you give the tithe. When people come up and tell me, well, I want to tell you, I tithe uh, to David Jeremiah or I tithe to uh, uh, whoever you want to call his name. On TV, 30 years ago, I'd have said, well, you know. <laughs> but right now, I say, that ain't no tithe. Your tithe goes to your local storehouse. That's what the Word of God says. Because you give your tithe to your local storehouse, that represents the fact that you know God owns everything. See, I, I'm not going to have to worry about it. I've told you this before, when we married, my wife was tithing 70% of her income. I said, baby, we don't do this. <laughs> 10 is a starting place, and then we'll work up a little bit. But 70% is not going to happen. All right? I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to stand before God and say, God, here's my tithe. You know what I'm scared of? God's going to say, how'd you do with that other 90% I blessed you with? Because all of it belongs to God. 
And on that day, we'll give an account of all of it, not just the 10%, all of it. Wow. God always, the firstborn son that was born, God required that that son be offered back to him uh, uh, to be given to the Lord. Jericho, completely dedicated to God. If Achan had only waited, he could have loaded up and had more than he ever took. And not only would he have had more than he ever took, but he could have actually used it. He could have been in public with it. What Achan stole, he couldn't even use. Had to hide it under his tent, bury it under his tent. Dr. Warren Wiersbe said this, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. You, you didn't hear that. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. That, that's the kind of God we've got. Same thing happens, singles, college guys, in this uh, sexual generation that we live in. Let me tell you, if you'll wait on God, you'll have something you can be proud of. You choose not to wait on God, though, and you're going to have problems. You won't have to hide it under the tent if you'll just wait on God. And then, then there's a, a painful memory here. God is going to use their former failure to do a great miracle in their life now. Now, our sins and failures are in the past and they're under the blood. But listen, God can still use those failures for his glory. And maybe we need to be reminded that in order to reach out to others. Now, before you jump me, I, this is just my opinion. I'm not quoting it as gospel. But before you jump me, how will the world know that God can dry up drunks if some of us in this room don't admit that we've had liquor on our breath? How's the world going to know that? How's the world ever going to know that God can put a marriage back together if all of us act like from the day we were married we've been Sunday school teachers and just wonderful Christian people? How's he going to know? How's this world going to know that God can, can do miracles? How will the world ever know that God can cleanse and save and use if we act like we've been perfect since we came out of the womb? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, he said, this congregation, he's speaking to them, he said, this congregation was filled with people who were fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, whoremongers, men dressed like women. And, and, but he said, but that's not who you are anymore. That's what he's saying. You've been washed. You've been justified. You've been sanctified. And, and I don't want to glorify the sin of the past, but you read about Paul. He didn't hesitate to say, hey, this is where I was, but this is what God did, and this is where I am today. Hmm. Maybe we need to be reminded and, and just be honest and tell some folks, hey, we, we spent a night in the county jail. Maybe we need to be honest and say, look, the real truth is I'm the cause of our first divorce. Maybe God could use us a little bit more winning people to Jesus and helping put families together. 
I, I, I just wonder in my mind, if anybody, anybody ever asked old Jacob, Jacob, why are you limping? I mean, everywhere you go, Jacob, you limp. Why, why are you limping? And old Jacob said, well, one night, I got in a wrestling match with God, and God won. And let me tell you something. Every time I limp, I'm reminded of what God has done for me. And what he's done for me, he'll do for you. Then they had a powerful victory. God's will done God's way for God's worship always results in God's victory. It doesn't matter how much you messed up. You may be facing a marriage crisis, a financial crisis, a sin, a sickness. You may have a child or a grandchild in sin. Joshua and all Israel failed, and their way made more sense than God's way, but it was God's way that brought victory. God's will done God's way for God's worship will always result in God's victory. Let me give you the last thing I'm through. They've, they've, they've consecrated and it's become a practice. The way Israel respond, first of all, they separated themselves. Uh, now, now, there are going to be some people that say, I can't believe the God we serve annihilated that city of Ai. Let me remind you that those were wicked people. In fact, let me go so far as to remind you, if you do a little study about them, that these people made ISIS look like a senior adult Sunday school class. They were wicked. They killed babies. They, they, they murdered. You say, well, I just can't believe God's done that. God has allowed them mercy. You say, how did he do that? Well, how did Rahab get saved out of Jericho? Let me tell you, Jericho knew about the God of the Israelites long before they ever came in there. And this city of Ai had plenty of opportunities to repent. If they'd have just done what Rahab did, they would have been shown mercy. Ezekiel says, God says, I take no pleasure in the death of people. If you try to settle in this world, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to become more like the world. They're not going to become more like you. Any victory is going to be short-lived at, at best. What we do many times in victory, listen to me. Sometimes we've won the victory, and then we lay down our weapons and say, hey, I've seen Baptists do this for years. We fought over whether the Word of God was inspired and really inerrant or not for 20 years and everybody says we won the victory we won the victory the bible is inerrant <laughs> do we think the devil's only got one shot now he devises all kinds of things but if we lay down and we crawl up in bed with the enemy it's going to be a short-lived life short-lived life and then the sacrifices they made. Deuteronomy 27 says, When you get in the land of promise, build an altar, but don't use stones that were cut by any man. What that means is, God says, I want this altar to be built to represent what God has done, and man has nothing to do with it. Nothing. It's all God. <laughs> ah, 
It's not built by ingenuity. It's not built by intelligence. You say, well, then what can we bring to the Lord? I mean, if we can't bring him our woodwork and say, look, this is what God is doing. If we can't bring him our food and say, this is what God is doing. I'll tell you what we can bring him. There's only one thing. You find it in Hebrews chapter 13. We can bring him our lips with the sacrifice of praise. That's what he wants this morning. A sacrifice of praise. And then the scripture. He commanded Joshua to divide Israel. There's 12 tribes. He says put 12, put six tribes over here on Mount Ebal. And then in the middle is a valley. And then over here is Mount Gerizim. And he said put six tribes over here. And he said when we're reading the law and we're reading the commandments uh, and it's a blessing those over on Mount Gerizim are going to say, Amen. And when we're reading it and it's a curse, those over here on Mount Ebal are going to say, Amen. And so he says maybe we've got to walk in obedience to the Word of God and we get blessings. And this group on Mount Gerizim says, Amen. But he says, if you don't walk in accordance with the will of God, there's going to be curses. And this group on Mount Ebal says, Amen. Listen, it's not contrary to one another. The love of God and the fact that God punishes sin does not contradict. It was all brought together on the cross. That's where it comes. You have a Savior there that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, but also at that cross, you've got the sin of the entire world there. It all brings together at the cross. <laughs> Bill Gaither wrote a song. He wrote many songs. But this was years ago, and it's been... I guess kind of like a testimony for my life. If there ever were dreams that were lofty and noble, they were my dreams at the start. And hope for life's best were the hopes that I harbored down deep in my heart. But my dreams turned to ashes. My castles all crumbled. My fortune turned to loss. So I wrapped it all in the rags of my life and I laid it at the cross and then he said something beautiful something good all my confusion he understood all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife but he made something beautiful of my life. Folks, Israel had blown it. Joshua had blown it. But God, through His Word, picked them up. And I want to tell you the good news this morning. If you've blown it, we've got a God of new beginnings. That if you'll confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you. And not only to forgive you, but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll pick you up, He'll clean you up, and He'll restore you to work again for the glory of God. Maybe you're here in this place.
place this morning and you've never met Jesus personally, there's some like that this morning. I want to tell you right now, forget about victory until first of all you hook up with Jesus. Because if you don't connect with him, if you don't become uh, the, the branch to the vine, I promise you, you cannot live in victory. So my first thing would say, if you need a Savior, he's patiently waiting. He's waiting. But I would suspect in this crowd, and I know many of you, if there are many in this place that would say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. Just like Cam did back here. I know I'm saved. But I'll be honest. I've gotten crossways and I'm out in this world and I'm really not doing anything for the glory of God. I'm kind of useless to the kingdom of God. The good news this morning is God is saying, come on home. Come on home. Isn't that right, Leroy? Come on home. I'll pick you up. I'll clean you up. I'll restore you. I'll put you back to work for the kingdom of God. If only we'll come to him. You see, there's a one principle no one wants to, to believe in the Bible, but blessings can only come after obedience. If you're not going to be obedient, you're not going to be blessed. I mean, the little lady that just had a little cornmeal and a little oil, and she said, I'm getting ready to make my last cake for me and my son, and we're going to lay down here and die. The prophet said, you make me a cake first. She made him a cake first. She had enough oil left over and, and meal, and she had enough for the next day, and she had enough for the next day. But that only came after she was obedient there's another story of a little lady in Kings that she'd sold everything, had garage sales, sold everything she had. Her husband died, and they, the creditors were coming to take her two sons, all she had left. She said, the prophet said, what have you got in your house? He said, oh, I got one little old bottle of oil. He said, you go have your sons bring in empty vessels. Bring them in here. And he takes that oil, and... I know it's a coincidence, but somehow or another, however many empty vessels they brought in, that little old pot of oil she had filled every one of them up. And when the last vessel was filled up, the oil stopped. <laughs> so that's just, that's not coincidence. That's not. She would have never gotten one vessel of oil had she not been obedient. I'm just telling you, if you want blessings, uh, you can believe this hogwash that God has determined if he's going to bless you or curse you and you don't have nothing to do with it. You believe that all you want to. But I'm telling you, just like Joshua is going to say later on, choose you this day who you're going to serve. If you're going to serve God, you're going to be blessed. If you're going to serve the God of the, of the forefathers and the God of all of that idolatry, you're not going to be blessed. You're going to be cursed. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us to gather here. And Lord, I know this has not been a, just a real hoopla service, not a great hoopla sermon. But Lord, at the same time, it ought to bring a lot of peace and joy to us to know that you're willing to pick us up and you're willing to restore us and, and clean us up and use us for your glory. 
God, may those who think that's impossible, would your Holy Spirit deal with them today? Those who need Jesus as their Savior, Lord, would you speak to their hearts today, Lord Jesus? And may they be the very first ones to come down these aisles and say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I pray for Christians all over this place, in the bottom floor, in the balconies and sides, that, God, they would get up from where they are. If they need to talk with a staff member and pray, that's great. If they just don't, just come and kneel at this altar and say, Oh, God, I have blown it. And I need to come back to where you are. Would you pick me up? Would you restore me? Would you cleanse me? Would you use me one more time in the kingdom of God? Lord, this is your invitation. You do as you please in Jesus' name. Would you stand again?